it's a common thing in the U.S. to say that our roads are shit. That's more potholes than road. That there's always construction that never goes anywhere. But beyond not being unique to any state in particular, despite how much we weirdly cling to it like shit roads or something to be proud of, did you know that's not the biggest threat to your health and safety? Did you know that trains derail almost more often than I get railed? Did you know that there's a coin toss whether when you drive on a bridge that you're about to die? Or that our nation's electrical grid is one particularly messed up gray squirrel away from getting shut down forever? But I mean, why is our infrastructure so shitty? And what do we do about it? On this episode of Why Aren't You Talking About This? Hello everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Waytat. I'm your host, William, and I will be your guide through the wacky, touch-of-the-tism-triggering world of our shitty infrastructure today. But before we continue, I just want to thank you very much for listening. It means the world to have my voice entering into your body in whatever way imagining that disturbs you the most. Now, before we continue on to the show, I do want to bother you again to like the show, share, comment, leave reviews, and... Basically, anything else you can do to uh, share the show and spread it around. Um, also, all the other, like, YouTuber, podcaster kind of things. Uh, I don't have any big new projects coming up, but remember to follow me on Twitter and YouTube for episode announcements and fireside chats. Um, on YouTube, I do also do re-uploads of uh, old episodes. Um, that's almost entirely... Uh, that's almost entirely, um, just the logo and then having audio run under it. So if you already listened to these episodes, don't worry about it. Uh, but yeah, watch those fireside chats. Um, also keep an eye on YouTube. I'm in talks with some other content creators that are around my size on uh, making some videos to go onto the channel as well. So I'll let you know when and if that goes live. Uh, also make sure to reach out for episode ideas in the future and add-ons for the show after episode 40. Um, I, uh, I'm considering maybe doing a Patreon after, after episode 40. Uh, depends on, depends on how much that costs, if anything. Uh, oh, and also, uh, next week on the 28th is my one-year anniversary podcasting. So, I want to thank you all for listening for a full year now. Uh, since we don't have any episodes next week. Um, and I also will be doing something special for that. Just don't really know what yet. Um, but with that, on to the show. Alright, so we're talking about infrastructure today, if that wasn't obvious already. Or in other words, all of the shit that makes a society work. 
I'm not kidding with that. That's basically what the definition reads. It's all the, quote, structural and organizational structures and facilities you need to keep society running, particularly from the economic angle. But infrastructure can also be divided into two subcategories, those being hard and soft infrastructure. There's a penis joke there, but I've insulted your penis enough over the course of this entire show. Mm, not going to do it again. Uh, hard infrastructure includes roads, highways, and bridges, as well as all the stuff physically required to use them, like public transit systems, uh, power cables, power stations, Ethernet networks, and even things like oil and gas refineries. Meanwhile, soft infrastructure would be like institutions, social constructs, and human concepts that maintain society. This would include things like healthcare, banking, law enforcement, government services, and education. So, while hard infrastructure was what literally keeps society moving, it's soft infrastructure that maintains that social construct that lets us use hard infrastructure. Much like my cock. Which was also a bit of a mindfuck for me when I actually thought about it for the first time. Um, both that my cock is hard infrastructure and also that there's that difference between the two. It was on my mind the whole time I was reading that out to make a dick joke. I couldn't help myself, and just the first thing that came to mind shot out of my mouth. God, I wish that happened to me more. Anyways, uh, now also in the U.S., we have nine other classifications for our infrastructure because we're special little boys. Uh, firstly is personal infrastructure, which are all the tools, services, and systems that you personally need to function, which includes things like cell phones, internet connection, driver's licenses, and things like education. Second is institutional infrastructure, which consists of, like, basics of economics and the legal system and legal policy, um, and that includes stuff like law enforcement, banks and financial institutions, and educational institutions. Third is sustainable infrastructure, which is basically just infrastructure designed to take long-term environmental, economic, and social impact into account. And this would include like waste management, uh, sustainable use of materials, like not tossing the faux wood siding into a landfill because the color is about three degrees off from what you ordered, uh, water usage, energy generation, and mass transit. Um, also, the faux wood thing, that wasn't a call-out. For anyone besides, like, one show on HDTV that I watched with my parents one time, and it made me realize that HDTV is too white for me. <laughs> Anyways. Uh, fourth is material infrastructure, which includes all the immobile, non-circulating goods. Uh, there was no other way for me to find a wording for that, so... Uh, that contribute to the development of goods and services. Um, and this would be stuff like asphalt, concrete, steel, masonry, and other materials. It's basically like, if you think about it like this, the school that you go to, because I know all of you are 11, uh, you shouldn't be listening, by the way, uh, the school that you go to is a piece of infrastructure. Every brick is also a piece of infrastructure, but it's two different kinds of infrastructure. Yeah, mindfuck. 
Uh, fifth is economic infrastructure, like distribution networks, financial markets, and energy grids. Uh, this would also include um, sewers, irrigation, roads, highways, and bridges. Sixth is social infrastructure, which is anything that supports social services, which is schools, parks, playgrounds, water disposal, hospitals, and public safety offices, and construction that about 70% of the people that benefit the most from thinks is communist and is trying to force a cock in their mouth. Which, again, I'm game. Uh, eighth is basic infrastructure, which are like main railroads, roads, canals, harbors, docks, communication centers, uh, drainage ditches, and and land reclamation programs like demolitions or like establishing state parks. And finally is complementary infrastructure, stuff that supports other infrastructure like distribution centers, trams, light rails, roadways, and things that make the streets safer and more convenient like light posts, sidewalks, landscaping, benches, glory holes, public shitters, and handrails. And only one of those aren't included in the actual list, but if you ask me, it should. It's the handrails. Anyways, from this, you can probably see a few things. One, why exactly this is such an important topic. If you look outside right now, you'd be either fucking stupid or in the middle of buttfuck nowhere if you don't see infrastructure. Two, no, I'm not stupid to include the same thing multiple times. Those are actual de- uh, overlaps in the definitions. So if after hearing that, you're reasonably asking, hey, how in the fuck are you going to talk about this? This seems really big and complicated. First of all, I'll talk about, and first of all, I'll talk about my dick as much as I want. But secondly, don't worry, I have a plan. So let's talk about why infrastructure is important. And first, and obviously, it literally allows for our entire economy, much less complex society ex- itself, to exist and also to actually function. Secondly, is that our modern agriculture is reliant on a strong infrastructure. Because we built up a heavy reliance on logistics to mass transport food and resources basically anywhere in the world extremely fast. Which in general is a good thing, and is actually really cool that humans have been able to do that. But when the infrastructure system fucking sucks or falls apart, then its capacity to move seeds, herbicide, fertilizer, crops, animals whatever other shit you uh, grow, entirely breaks down. Third, the better the infrastructure system, the higher the ceiling for financial investment. And why is that? My microphone wasn't aligned. Hold up. Why is that? Well, because the larger amounts of goods and services flowing the more money is flowing, which means the more money available to be gained by investors. So even ignoring our first two super lived up arguments, there's a reason for the ultra-capitalist there. Fourth, better infrastructure makes for better productivity. So the better the systems of healthcare and education, the better people are able to do their jobs for longer, and the more efficient and organized the transportation and supply system, the easier it is to move goods and services where they need to be. Fifth, infrastructure creates jobs. 
about 11% of America's entire workforce is in some form of infrastructure. So, you know, we really got to pay attention to it <laughs> because uh, a lot of America relies on it for work. Sixth, if you have a strong infrastructure, you get internationally more powerful. Because with a strong infrastructure, you're able to more efficiently either outsource or get outsourced to, which can help to grow your nation's economy and also create a system of reliance from other nations. Like, for example, with India investing heavily into the tech support sector, a lot of companies rely on Indian offices, which means that those companies who have some influence in places like the U.S., really don't want the U.S. to do things like place restrictions on India that would hurt their business, which is really fucking powerful. I mean, essentially what that's doing is you as a private company are acting as the leverage point to control international politics. I'm going to move on because that's fucking terrifying. Uh, Seventh, Good infrastructure increases the quality of life for all of your people. Because with better infrastructure comes better access to healthcare, easier and safer transportation, safe food and water, and communication systems. And because of all of this, people die less often from, from preventable causes of death. And finally, infrastructure growth and economic growth are basically inseparable. Like, you and any woman that activates your mommy issues. The bigger and better your infrastructure, the bigger and better your economy can get. You know, much like the bigger your mommy issues, the harder your boner is. And the bigger and better your economy, the bigger and better your infrastructure budget can get. So, basically, if you're paying attention, having good infrastructure makes your society better, and if you're a stem cell right-winger that thinks feelings and happiness are cringe, then also makes the economy better. Ben Shapiro, you fuck. Anyways, uh, before we talk about the history, we're also going to talk about some of the stats. Uh, that This is for the stem cells. Uh, and just to get a rough estimate of total spending, we're going to be looking at the expenditure for inland transportation. Which, if you're wondering why, good question. It's because, for some goddamn reason, nowhere online has just a direct entire infrastructure budget breakdown per nation, has instead decided to break it into categories. But there's only like three or four categories, and they're all different except for this one. This one stat is on every single one of them. Every other one is different. And also, I know that those categories they do have don't cover all of the infrastructure. So, since roads are very important and they're kind of like the blood vessels of a nation, I'm going to focus on those and act like I'm telling you something, and you're going to pretend that what I'm saying is useful to your life and relevant in any way as also viable in an internet fight. Fair? Fair. Oh, and also this is measured in percentage of GDP, but don't worry, I translated them into actual person money and also USD. Okay, so... Number one in spending is China, with $851 billion per year, which is only 4.8% of their entire GDP. Scary amount of money, huh? 
Second is Georgia, the nation state, not the United States, at 3.1% of GDP or 541 mil. Third is Azerbaijan at 2.6% of its GDP or $1.4 billion. Fourth is Belarus with 2.4% of its GDP or $1.5 billion. And finally is Uzbekistan at 2.3% or $1.6 billion. If you're an American, I'm sure four out of five of those you can find on a map. The one you could find was Belarus. You can't find any other ones. Uh, and I'm also sure you're wondering where the U.S. is, because you're a dumb fucking American. Well, we're number 39, spending 0.5% of our GDP on inland transportation, or $116.6 billion, which is an insane amount of money, but also, considering the state of our roads, is clearly not enough. But focusing more down on the U.S., where are we spending all of our money? Well, the biggest place is on highways, which accounts for a total of $177 billion annually. And see what I mean by that earlier stat? It's fucking ridiculous. But anyways, of that, only $46 billion is actually paid for by the feds. For water utilities, we spend $113 billion, with the feds covering four. Mass transit at $75 billion with only 17 of that from the federal government, which is how you know the feds aren't autistic, by the way. An autistic person would never neglect a train. Anyways, aviation is $37 billion, with, again, $17 billion from the feds. Water usage, i.e. water not used for drinking, takes up $29 billion, 10 of which the feds cough up, and finally we tend to spend... And finally, we spend $10 billion on water transportation, with the feds funding 40% of it. Which comes out to the federal government spending $72 billion in investment on infrastructure and $27 billion for operation and maintenance fees on average across the U.S. While the states and local governments pay up on average $102 billion per year on essentially installation and... $240 billion on maintenance. And you see, this is actually the heart of a lot of the issues. Because this is an average across the U.S. What if your state can't afford $240 billion a year to maintain its infrastructure? Well, does Daddy Sam help you out? No. No, he doesn't. He takes a shit under your tree and tells you Merry Christmas. I fucked your mother. But even then, 70% of the federal spending isn't them actually getting their hands dirty and doing anything. It's them giving out grants to local government. And most of them are tax-exempt bonds, which is basically just waiving the interest rate, so thanks, Papa. Uh, banking and revolving funds and a teeny tiny amount of federal credit. Which, as you might imagine, can cause some issues. But before we talk about those, let's go down memory lane to the history section. Alright, and this is one of those episodes where we start before humans are writing down our big boy words, so put on your diaper. We're going to be here a while. Early on in human history, a lot of the early infrastructure projects were mostly meant to be either non-permanent or semi-permanent. Things like navigation glyphs and markers, barrows, stone tombs, and stone circles. But around this time is when we also start to get roads, too. 
primarily stemming from something that's talked about with fear in modern infrastructure academic circles. Desire paths. These are basically roads created from the erosion and plant stop and plant stomping of animal traffic. Examples of this would be like the Natchez Trail in Tennessee and Mississippi, which started off as a path through the woodlands and eventually became a sacred path that was actually maintained by Native Americans. However, during this time, we do also see some intentional road building, like the sweet track made of wood planks that was used to cross a bog in Somerset in the UK, otherwise known as the entire UK. Also, if you're British and didn't understand that over the sound of you chewing grounds, I'm calling your entire country a bog. Uh, also worth noting in this period, as human society begins to grow in size and complexity, is that we've always kind of been bound to sources of water, which means that across all of time in human history, we've been building dams, ports, water mains, wells, and public water treatment, basically anywhere a major settlement pops up, and we've also always been near rivers. Or next to the ocean, but we don't usually get our water from the ocean because, you know, salt. And one of the earliest examples of, like, more complex roads is actually in ancient Mesopotamia with the Mayan... Uh, fuck, I should have looked this up. Uh, Sakib? Uh, I'm looking it up. Sakib. Sakib. Fucking. Sakbe. That's as close as you're going to get. I found it in Italian. Uh, <laughs> uh, but the Sakbe stone roads, uh, these were limestone paved stone roads that connected cities together through the otherwise thick with 25 seas, jungles, hills, and mountains of Mesoamerica, and served as a symbol of power and pride for local rulers. Around the same time, from 1300 to 1190 BC, is when we get the first references to a bridge that's still around today. The Arcadico Bridge and Peloponnese that is still crossable to this day. And it's believed that this was part of a military highway stretching between the cities of Tiryns and Epidaros and was specifically designed to fit chariots. Also, just in case you were wondering, yes, I mispronounce everything. It's not just words that are hard for English speakers. Uh, 500 years later, during the reign of Darius the Great, Emperor of Persia, we have the first example of an empire making infrastructure a top priority. Because see, Darius knew that roads are the arteries of empires, and to have bad arteries increases your risk of heart disease, which is also why you should do your cardio. So to resolve that, he invested heavily in infrastructure. First by building a system of roads and canals that ran from Egypt to Iran, about 1,400 miles, and include way stations and rest stops all across its length. He then connected this to the Royal Road, a roadway that spanned about 1,677 miles from Susa, Turkey to Shush, Iran. Which, for my fellow Americans that thinks that the Middle East is just one big bucket of sand, IEDs, oil, and cutting-edge, but also 20 years old, cock-throbbing American military hardware we betrayed by leaving behind, this is the equivalent distance from Portland, Oregon, to the middle of Illinois. Meaning, that by traveling on this road, you had a route to basically 
anywhere in the Middle East. 20 years after Darius's death, poor enough for the homie, we have one of the oldest references to a now absent feature called the Dolkas. Dolkas. Fuck you. Outside of the Isthmus of Corneth. Uh, this paved track over land would allow the Greeks to attach a boat to wheels and travel overland to avoid going all the way around. And this massively sped up naval campaigns and trade routes. Again, however, by the time we reach today, it's entirely missing, which has actually caused some people to think that it never existed in the first place, but I kind of doubt that because, I mean, it was the fucking ancient Greeks, they did weird shit. Uh, and now for the thing that you knew was coming. The Romans. And I will say, while they were fascists, there's one thing I can agree with them on besides the orgies and simping for queens that they wish would step on them, like Cleopatra and Boudicca. The importance of infrastructure. So, Rome updated and built about 50,000 miles of roadway all across their empire. And how these roads were engineered were really goddamn impressive. Since they wanted straight, stable, and easy-to-reverse connections, so the opposite of who I am as a person, between cities and important areas to make their highly-valued trade, troop movements, and logistics all the easier. So, in pursuit of this, they would alter or destroy the environment, including draining marshes and cutting open fucking mountains. And the roads were uniformed 4.6 yards wide to allow for traffic on either side and use a mixture of ash, lime, and concrete combined with a slight incline to create a water runoff to keep the roads mostly dry. Oh, and also, the reason why the roads were so good, even by modern standards, is something we discovered recently. Uh, it's because the ash and lime would react to the water and concrete to essentially heal the concrete as it got wet. Meaning that if the road had a massive crack in it, it would eventually close without maintenance. Pretty fucking sweet, huh? Speaking of water, Roland saw water access as, like, one of the most important things for the health of the Empire meaning that aqueducts were extremely important to them. So much so that for just the city of Rome alone, they had 485 miles of aqueduct and brought in 11 billion gallons of water a year. But from there, we actually move on to the 4th century, where we have one of the earliest forms of urban lighting projects. In Antioch, it was established as a tradition for establishments and residents to hang lanterns outside to make the city a lot safer and to traverse at night. Since before then, most major cities were kind of hard to navigate and could be pretty unsafe because it wasn't well lit and, you know, stabbers like it in the dark. And around this time as well, cities like London and Paris begin to require the same thing. By 1594, lighting becomes considered part of infrastructure and becomes a direct concern of the government. In particular, Paris police start to install lanterns across the city in an effort to prevent crime. Remember when police used to do that? Good old days. And then by the 1700s, lighting grids became a form of public works project. Across the world, lamp lighters would be paid to refill oil lamps on light poles, which I will say, out of all of the 1700s jobs, I think that would be the one that I would uh, be the most okay with. I mean, you just walk around, you turn the lights on. Like, I, fuck yeah, man. Pay, pay me a 
mostly livable wage to do that, I'll fucking do that the rest of my life. Okay, getting back to roads. In 1764, France begins to build new paved roads using large stones covered in gravel based upon the engineering of Pierre-Marie Jérôme Tresgot. And also, fuck you, French, you piece of shit language. At around the same time, England starts to pay for their own crumbling infrastructure with toll roads all across the country. And speaking of England, from that time to 1820, England and its colonies get fucking obsessed with canals, building a hundred of them between 1760 and 1820. Which doesn't sound like much, but keep in mind that canals are tunnels we dig into the earth to connect oceans together to make travel easier. In 1811, the first practical locomotive is invented by John Belkinsop, and no bonus points to guess that he's British, and was first used on a rail line to connect Middleton Colliery to Leeds. And another was built in 1826 between Liverpool and Manchester as the first intercity line. Five years later, the telegraph is invented by Francis Ronalds. However, it wasn't really adopted until 1839, when it was used for the Great Western Railway and as communications between Euston and Camden Town. Also, fuck British names. British name. The British naming conventions for cities is fucking bullshit. In 1820, the first modern highways are being built by John Loudon McAdam using Macadam, which were aggregates of stone and soil. In 1852, the Metropolis Water Act is enacted in the UK which makes it illegal to use unfiltered water from the Thames and also sets up the Commission of Sewers, otherwise called the Thames. 35 years later, I'm saying that the Thames is a sewer. Uh, 35 years later, street rails were installed in Derby, England, which allowed for railway systems to be implemented basically everywhere for mass transit. In 1863, the London Underground was established as well. It's an old band. And all of this revolutionary stuff was further revolutionized in the 1880s with the discovery of radio waves. And within 10 years of being discovered, Giglium, what the fuck? This has to be a typo. Because how I'm reading it is Guglimo. Guglimo Marconi, uh, no points for guessing where he's from and also why I can't pronounce the name begins to use it for broadcasting information, and five years later, radio waves start to be used commercially. In the late 19th century, tarmac, being macadam covered in tar, begins to be used in cities across the world, and major sewage treatment sites were added across London to address cholera out outbreaks. By 1901, the first electric power stations were established in Newcastle-upon-Tyne. No points guessing where that is. And with all that, let's talk about America. As you can see so far, the story of infrastructure has really been improving upon the lives of the common people, getting introduced to a new technology, implementing that, and then watching the world become a better place. So, how do we fuck that up? Well, we don't at first. Beginning in the 19th century, canal and river travel was very common in the U.S., in particular in Appalachia and the Mississippi River. Also, if you're going to correct me and say Appalachia, it's a regional thing. Shut the fuck up. 
And in cooperation with Canada, we built about 3,900 miles of canals. I'm very accurate. I don't know if you noticed that. I think in, in part because the episode's late. <laughs> uh, but also, I think I'm just feeling a little sassy because I got, I got the rest of the week off. It's, it's a Thursday, and I get uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday off because it's uh, Christmas, so... Uh, anyways, um, and like most former British colonies, we got canal horny in the early 1800s. However, at this time, most waterways and roads were privately owned, but they required a government charter and therefore potentially created full-on monopolies. Which sounds like it's fucking it up already, but for the U.S. at the time, this is largely what we had to do, because America of the first, uh, I don't know, like century or so of its existence was more poor than a British orphan, so we couldn't pay to maintain these systems. In 1811, Cumberland Road is built, which might not sound like much, but it's the first national highway reaching from Maryland to Illinois. And in the same year, New York in particular had a lot New York in particular, but a lot of other states too, start to construct state roads and turnpikes everywhere. Fourteen years later we built the Erie Canal a total of 363 miles of canalway with 82 locks and connecting the Great Plains and the Northeast by boat. The next year, the Granite Railway is established, the first commercial railroad in the U.S. And then in 1844, Samuel Morse and Alfred Vail, only one of which we remember, developed the U.S. Telegraph, and the same year, Morse demonstrated for Congress how useful the tool would be by sending a message from the Supreme Court to Baltimore. Which, uh, I mean, that's a pretty good move. I mean, show the people in charge they can ship their mistresses in from Baltimore instead of trusting a messenger to bring them from home. Following into the mid-1800s, using a mixture of telegraphs and new railroad technology, the U.S. gets really horny for railroads and relies on investors to just pump it full of money. You know, like you, uh... Uh, yeah, never mind. <laughs> uh, which in turn not only creates a massive demand for coal and steel, but also creates a titanic railroad grid across the United States. And why were we so horny? Well, I mean, one, because the United States was... Goddamn, was a curvy and was really just begging to be railed. But also because we recently bought the entire Louisiana Territory and, quote-unquote, acquired the rest of the modern continental U.S., meaning we had a ton of land we wanted to make sure that we could actually use. Also, it was sexy as fuck, and we just wanted to, you know, get our, get our railroads all up in there. Uh, around the same time, businesses and private individuals started to invest in things like streetcars, lighting grids, water, and waste management systems. And again, this is because the U.S. government didn't have that kind of money, so relied on rich people to do it for them. And other businesses also started to purchase and invest in agricultural and commercial equipment across the U.S. And then in 1861, the first transcontinental telegraph system was established in the U.S., allowing for communication from the East Coast to the West Coast in minutes rather than months. And five years later, we developed the first transatlantic telegraph to the U.K., and within 30 years, we had them established all across the world. Three years after the first transcontinental telegraph, 
the first transcontinental railroad is completed in Promontory, Utah, allowing for someone to travel from the East Coast to the West Coast in four days rather than months. Meaning that, for example, if your sister that lives in California while you live in New York got pregnant and, and told you, you could be there within a week rather than getting there in time to meet your four-month-old niece or nephew and maybe dying in the attempt. You know, because there would have to be a messenger that went from California all the way up to New York, and then you'd receive the letter, you'd read the letter, you'd decide, well, I guess I might die, and then you would have to get prepared for about huh, six weeks, and then you would travel all the way across the continental goddamn United States. Uh, but all of this should really demonstrate to you why we relied so heavily on railroad infrastructure to support basically our entire economy. And this is largely responsible for a massive explosion in our economy, making our rich people incredibly wealthy and actually giving the government a dick to flop onto the table. And companies like Sears and Roebuck and Co. expanded into mail-order catalog systems because of this expanded infrastructure. And seeing as we'd recently discovered the wonders of electricity, in the 1910s, a movement begins to give all Americans access to the wonders of tech, to the wonders of electricity as well. You know, like sticking a fork in the light socket and watching yourself uh, turn into a skeleton. In 1910, as well, U.S. Army Major, U.S. Army Major Carl Rogers Darnell, who's a fucking nerd, i.e., a professor of chemistry, figured out that if you use liquefied chlorine gas, you can cleanse water. Because the chlorine just face fucks to death whatever nasty little bugs like cholera or chlamydia are in there. Which becomes the basis of water purification in the U.S. Three years after that, the U.S. government creates a system called the Rural Free Delivery System. Which, in layman's terms, just means that the post office is now able to deliver parcels rurally. Which in turn not only helps out the people living in rural areas, because now they don't need to go into town to threaten postal workers, and it also helps out Sears because now they and other catalog companies sell five times the amount they used to. In the next year, we build the, the Panama Canal. How do we manage to do that when it's 3,200 miles away and also an entirely different country, you might ask? Well, you see, we were on our imperialism bullshit, which meant that really all we did was replace the government of Panama with one that was friendly with the U.S., and then, quote-unquote, negotiated an arrangement with them to build the canal after we bought the land for totally its market price. Yeah, we're, we're great, aren't we? America's just fucking great. Anyways, after World War I, which interrupted our imperialist reign of terror across Latin America... We started to heavily expand our road construction after our experiences with the war. Uh, this included massively funding highways using things like gasoline tax and driver's license fees. But, however, because it is the United States, the infighting between government agencies caused a stall in highway development. And then the Depression hits, which uh, really fucked up our steez. But in trying to bounce back sooner, the government introduces programs to help its citizens bounce back. Of course, if they're middle class men, of course, if they're middle class men and also white, and these programs include the Federal Housing Administration and the Federal National Mortgage Administration. At the same time period, the Tennessee Valley Authority begins to spread electricity across the U.S. 
the government funds projects like projects like dams and power stations to try and ensure all Americans finally have electricity. And with this effort, there was proof that it could be profitable, meaning private energy companies also started to do the same thing. But what really saved our asses during the New Deal era was a massive investment from the government into both the highway system and also a reinvigoration of infrastructure in general. And to get the macroeconomy back up and running, the stock market and banking industries get a few shots of steroids and in their roid rage churn out millions of dollars. And these industries become such a huge part of the economy that the U.S. essentially leans on them all through the Second World War. Into the late 1940s, and yes, I know, World War II, but shut the fuck up, not everything can be about your favorite mass human rights violation. Rural Americans finally have electricity. Also, the war spending increases the national budget by ten times, in part because of the 1942 Revenue Act, which introduces an income tax. In response to all of this new money, the U.S. government gives the Federal Reserve the responsibility to control inflation, which somebody's not doing their fucking jobs, and founds agencies to regulate insurance and commercial investments. In 1944, the GI Bill is also passed, which in turn helps to build up America's infrastructure with well-educated, middle-class, traumatized-as-shit, highly disciplined veterans, who then raise the least disciplined generation in American history. Uh, and this is the first and last time that America will even approach being cool. In the 1950s and 60s, because veterans be fucking, we get the baby boomers, the aforementioned least disciplined generation in history. Also, if you're a baby boomer and you heard that, fucking fight me, I dare you. <laughs> I'm, I'm a, I might be fat and out of shape, but I'm a young man, I can take a couple punches. I don't know if you can, old man. Uh, anyways, so yeah, <laughs> this is casually threatening <laughs> the, the fight baby boomers. Uh, if you're one of the cool ones, I'll wear boxing gloves. Uh, anyways, uh, to account for the skyrocketing population, the government spends massive amounts of money more, the government spends massive amounts of money to expand our infrastructure, including adding more highways suburban housing, water systems, electric grids, and school districts. Including in 1956, when for convenience and as a matter of national security, we passed the Federal Aid Highway Act, which causes us to build 41,000 miles of interstate. Basically means that you can now transport massive numbers of people, commerce, or supplies basically anywhere in the U.S. through easy-to-follow roads. And also, yes, this is the time period where we just decide to motherfuck the inner city community, especially the black community, by crisscrossing them with essentially impassable highways to isolate them and to prevent them from building a community which thus destabilized their entire macro community and uh, caused about half of the problems that they have now. Yeah, America, America isn't often the good guy. I mean, not to say that we're usually the bad guys, but we're like the, uh, like the deuteragonist semi-villain that, sure, usually a big, dumb, stupid asshole, but when they show up to help you out, it's surprisingly feel good. You know, it's like the orcs from 40k. Like, most of the time, they're a piece of shit, but 
in the few times where you're dealing with like a big bad like chaos, having the orc show up makes the whole audience uh, lose their fucking minds with excitement. Anyways, now they've made everyone thoroughly mad, the 70s. So after a period of getting really cheap foreign oil, we suddenly enter into the energy crisis as the U.S. stops investing in energy and subsequently causes gas to become incredibly hard to find and the price soars out of control. And what price was considered out of control in the 1970s? The equivalent of $3.58 a gallon. That's in today's money. We live in a nightmare hellscape. Also, we experience a natural gas shortage because of fucking course we do. But the 1980s doesn't make any of it better, as infrastructure budget continually gets slashed to pay for more and more military spending. And because of that, most of our infrastructure becomes highly neglected, which brings us to today, so let's jump over to the current. Alright, so I think now with the context, I think you can understand what the current section is going to be about. So, our infrastructure is a massive piece of shit nowadays. I mean, that's not really a surprise. But what might be a surprise is that it's actually gotten a bit better. See, back in 2017, our overall grade was a D+, which is really shitty, but in 2021, we jumped up to a C-, which again, not good, but at the same time, that's better than it's been since 2001. Seriously, our infrastructure has been rotting since 2001, and this time, George Bush didn't even get warning that it was coming. But, I mean, what contributed to that? Well, first, our roads. 43% of our roadways are in poor or mediocre condition. Which, if you needed me to tell you that mediocre is not a term you want to use to describe something you're going 58 miles per hour on in a several multi, in a several ton vehicle, I guess that you don't use your uh, blinkers and you drive drunk. But the poor conditions of roads causes millions of dollars in vehicle damage, accidents, and also increases traffic and congestion with not only road work, but also from people trying to avoid becoming part of those millions of dollars per year. But to be fair to our roads, it's not their fault. I mean, when we designed tarmac roads, or asphalt roads, we knew they needed constant maintenance. It's the government's fault for not doing that. I mean, think, modern roads need to sustain constant use from several ton vehicles hurtling down the roads at hurtling down the roads at dangerous speeds. I mean, compared to ancient roads that often saw light foot traffic and sometimes carts, chariots, and horses going at like a walking pace or perhaps a jog. And also, traffic congestion causes about 6.9 nice billion hours of lost travel time and 3.1 billion gallons of fuel lost per year which is nearly a full day and nine gallons a year per person. Which doesn't sound like a lot, but that's a fuck ton of lost money and time. I don't know about you, but I would be concerned if you told me that like you had just stolen one day and nine gallons of liquid from me. I don't know what the fuck I would make of that, but I definitely would be upset about it. And roadways cost about $112 billion in vehicle repairs due to poor conditions per year. And from the business angle for delivery companies, this can cost millions. With just USPS spending $105 million extra dollars per year just because of the shitty conditions of roads. And this is even bringing up bridges. 
which is fucking scary, and I'm just warning you in advance, so, uh, whew, real, whew, I hope you don't have to cross the bridge anytime soon. Unsafe bridges receive use about 200 million times a day, and that's one out of every three bridges across the United States, meaning one-third of all U.S. bridges in a single day gets crossed almost as many times as there are people in the U.S. And these unsafe bridges either need to be repaired desperately or are so fucked up they need to just be straight up removed and replaced. And 7% of them are structurally deficient, which means they could literally just fucking collapse. So, for a little thought experiment, I want you to imagine you live on you live in a place with 900 bridges. 300 of them need to be repaired and also see a total of 60 billion uses per day. And 21 of those bridges could just fucking give out at any time and you don't know which ones they are because you're not a fucking engineer. Apparently, no one in your city is. Now tell me, are you going to drive on those? Yeah, I'm never going to cross a bridge ever again if I can help it. Although it's Oregon, so sometimes we just put bridges places because, you know, fuck us, I guess. Oh, and also 20% of airlines are delayed because of the sheer number of people using them, combined with the combined with the very, very safe practice of rushing to repair things just well enough to make it to the next place to be repaired. On tarmacs, they're kept running through frantic repaving prayers and more methamphetamines than what would kill a full-grown elephant. And despite making up 28% of our supply line, railroads are largely ignored and underutilized, which in addition to, again, proving that the U.S. government isn't autistic, really fucking sucks and is stupid. But even then, because we don't receive a lot of budget, train derailments and and collisions happen constantly, and just the passenger rail lines, not the freight lines, which have more weight on them, have a $45 billion repair backlog. Okay, but at the very least, our water's okay, right? Nope. We lose about 6 billion gallons of drinkable water per day from leaks, poorly managed water systems, and cross-contamination with wastewater. Shut the fuck up, phone. Which is about 2.1 trillion gallons per year. And I cannot... I. I can't fucking describe to you how much water that is. In order to get this whole system up to power, we need to spend $744 billion in essentially replacing our entire water grid. Oh, and also on top of that, 10K of the 30K miles of American levees, you know, the things that stop rivers from flooding all over the places that we live, are entirely unknown. We literally can't fucking find them. We don't know if they're still around. We, we we just straight up don't have the money to find them. Like, okay, this is not on the script, uh, so excuse the ad-lib. We have the money to know that we have records of these levees, right? Okay, we know where the rivers are. We don't have the money to pay people to find where they fucking are. And even if we did, we don't know the condition they're in. They might need to be repaired too, and if we pay someone to find them, now we have to fix them. So you know what's cheaper and easier? We wait until it fucking bursts, and then we're like, oh, there was one. 
it just fucking exploded and drowned half of a small town in Iowa. What the fuck? Okay. Anyways, uh, also our ports and waterways have massive traffic congestion and are constantly delayed. Okay. So this also isn't on the script. Um, I think I've talked about it before. I'm neurodivergent as shit. Uh, a good amount of that is probably ADHD and uh, very intense depression and anxiety. There is also a greater than zero chance that I have a, a touch of autism. <laughs> so, all nothing nothing gets a neurodivergent person more riled up than shitty infrastructure, so this whole episode is a bit <laughs> a bit touchy for me. Um, so, getting back on topic, our uh, our power grids and internet networks are also constantly going out. Uh, especially in Texas, because Texas has privatized their entire infrastructure. Uh, smooth move, Texas, you fucking idiot. And also, these systems are extremely vulnerable to weather events, pests, and small critters literally chewing it apart, or getting caught up in the works and electrocuted, and then turning into a jelly that causes power outages. And also, usage brownouts, because they aren't built for a population size. Unless you're Texas, in which case, they privatized... Texas is so fucking dumb. From what I understand, Texas privatized their power systems, and then those power companies cut corners they knew the population that they had to they had to cater to and they cut corners meaning anytime there's a winter storm a summer storm a spring storm or an autumn storm or whenever more than half of a city turns on their microwave at the same time all of texas goes out just all of it gone no power and it keeps going for like months it's great uh anyways um, we also have massive internet and cell service gaps all across the U.S., with somewhere with somewhere between 14 and 42 million Americans having zero access to internet all or most of the time. Which is wild, because the internet has become a common way for the government to make quick announcements. Same with, like, cell phones. So the fact that, like, you know, up to 42 million Americans don't have access to that is, uh, crazy. Um, also, a lot of our systems, including dams and other forms of power generation, uh, distribution networks, and offices and schools, are widely out of date and also built for a much earlier time. Meaning that overcrowding, catastrophic system failures, and vulnerabilities to things like natural disasters and earthquakes can, a- can take out one of these systems almost permanently. Oh, which by the fucking way, uh, Flint, Michigan's water is just now hitting safe levels of lead. Uh, after being, uh, after their water being out until early 2022, and then still not recommended for human consumption for another six months after that. And part of the problem is that with budget cuts, our infrastructure and the people who run and maintain it are stretched really thin, meaning we don't really fix anything because it takes too much time and money. So instead, they're just trying. So instead, they're just trying their best and slapping band-aids on the problem continuously in, ho- in a hope that maybe, maybe it'll work. Which also brings us to another thing. We can't fix it. And what do I mean by that? 
Well, essentially, we've been neglecting our infrastructure for too long. At this point, fixing everything would cost hundreds of billions, maybe even dozens of trillions of dollars, millions of workers, and decades of dedicated effort. Which is so much more than we could afford, and even if we could, it would be so expensive that no one would be willing to pay it. But why is all of this happening? Well, because ultimately, infrastructure isn't an interesting thing to run on. I mean, think, is it exciting to hear a politician talk about infrastructure? I'm only making it interesting by dick jokes and getting angry and saying the word fuck over and over again. And politicians can't do that. Instead, we focus on culture war topics because those give us the good old-fashioned rage endorphins and dopamine, like abortion, fascist gaining power, and which gaming system is superior, and what that says about your mother's loyalty to your father. And because politicians are elected on popularity and not efficiency, we don't talk about it. And if they don't talk about it, you don't think about it. So they don't have to do anything about it. So once again, the answer is the goddamn vote for people that you think will talk about this. But for more solutions, let's get over to that that section. Alright, so let's start with solutions. Beginning with the one that I find the most problematic. That being decentralizing power. Now, usually I don't mind this, but in this case, it's a problem. Because the idea is to have the government and private corporations form an alliance to maintain and repair infrastructure. And, you know, that would massively reduce the cost. Think of the private sector, which usually has higher capital that they can put into one place, the ability to address concerns. However, if you've ever seen how a private corporation does shit, you'd probably know how potentially terrible this is. Because private corporations want to do things cheaply and quickly, and also make as high of a profit as physically possible, which is not good when you don't want a bridge to collapse and always have it free to use. Now, getting into solutions I'm actually cool with, we begin with first a redistribution or reformation of the tax system. Hey now, don't fall asleep on me. Basically, if we need more money, we should collect more money. And since we can't do this all at once, we basically need to slowly work on fixing all of our shit one thing at a time. Speaking of that, we need to think about what we're working on and what order we do it in. Rather than relying on what looks the coolest on your political record or guessing, we need to get some engineers to do whatever the fuck engineers do to collect data. What kind of data? Regional needs, cost data, damage records, boring shit like that. I'm a humanities person, I don't fucking know. But again, it's really fucking boring. And speaking of engineers, we need more of them in office. Because if we had more, then we'd be doing a lot better with our infrastructure. Because they're the ones that give a shit about this. So how many do we have in office right now? Like the, the highest, highest rulers of the land. Well, we have a total of nine in Congress and the Senate compared to 194 lawyers in the Congress and Senate. Which I don't think is surprising. Oh, also, by the way, stop fucking hating on lawyers. Sure, the ones in Congress and the Senate are shitbags, but lawyers exist for a reason, and the field selects for type A motherfuckers. It's not your fault. It's not their fault that you're dumb. Also, never talk to the cops. That's, like, the, the biggest piece of legal advice I've ever been given. Don't fucking talk to the cops. Get a lawyer. 
anyways, the final thing... <laughs> become ungovernable. Anyways, the final thing is that we need to educate people on how important infrastructure is. Which, hey, you know, for once I'm actually part of the solution. Because the more people that recognize the importance of infrastructure, the more they'll push for it. Because, you know, no one wants to know the bridges that they're driving on might collapse at any second. But, let's talk a bit about the opinions. Because this is when things get, uh... Well, not really weird or surprising, I guess just more expected than anything else. Okay, so, firstly, what do the American people think that we need to focus on in infrastructure? In order of importance, 83% of Americans think we need to focus on roads, bridges, and ports. Second is pipes for drinking water, with 79% of Americans thinking that's important. Interestingly, the same proportion thinks that pipes for your mother is also just as important. Uh, third is caregivers for the elderly at 75% of Americans. 67% of Americans are in favor of affordable housing programs. And 66% for an electrical grid overhaul. Uh, 62% of Americans are in favor of preschool programs, and the same number are in favor of broadband internet. 61% want to improve public transit systems. 55% are interested in expended child tax, child tax credits. 54% want free community college tuition, and 53% want passenger and freight rail service expansions. Oh, and uh, finally, 45% want electric vehicle charging stations in public. And uh, how do we pay for those? Well, 66% say corporate taxes, and 64% say by increasing taxes on households making 400 k or more a year. Which, you know, tax the rich. Uh, also, eat them. Eat their dick, balls, ass, and pussy. Uh, but once again, as always, politics ruins everything. Uh, leftists tend to be massively more in favor of everything, and right-wingers are much less interested. Like, for example, the biggest, the biggest issue of the roads, bridges, and ports has 79% support on the right and 87% support on the left, which uh, is a notable difference. A much more extreme are elder care and preschool programs, being, being 85 and 83% on the left, respectively, and 62 and 47% on the right. And it's the same with affordable housing being 85 and 41, broadband internet 78 and 44, public transportation 76 and 42, child tax credits 73 and 34, community college 76 and 34, again, trains 68 and 37, and electric vehicles 64 and 23%. I mean, here's the thing. I don't think that the people on the right are actually against it. I think the politicians are in power are telling them to be because it's as because it's close to the ever dreaded social services that would cut down the corporate profits they're sharing in. But uh, before I rant, let's hit the soapbox. All right. Well, now that I've clambered my way up here, let's uh let's talk. So after this episode, so after doing this episode, how do I feel? Mad. Mostly mad. And why is that? Well, because I'm a man that likes a system that works well. Doesn't have to be pretty, but seeing something work efficiently really itches that spot for me. And nothing... And nothing is like that quite like a massive intercontinental system of rails and roads working as intended. 
Because infrastructure, as weird as it sounds, or not weird considering how neurodivergent I am, is very interesting to me. I'm someone that in games like Civ 6 get really into the nitty-gritty of city building and could give a fuck about the combat. I just want to see the gold stack up and build improvements on those bonus resources. And to see the government, arguably the one group that should give the most of a shit, just entirely neglecting nor the problem like this, pisses me off. Like you wouldn't believe. Because it's fucking stupid that this is something they aren't interested in dealing with. I mean, in part because they keep allocating funds away from them in favor of things that get them elected, like tax breaks for the rich and war. And really, the core of it isn't that it isn't interesting. Running the government day-to-day isn't interesting. It's because they benefit directly from you being distracted. How? Because the more you focus on culture war shit, the less you realize the country's getting ripped apart by the 10 1% and the people they have under their thumb in Congress. You're getting entirely butt-looted by the rich, and the only way the people they control are keeping you in control are by stopping you from thinking about it. And pretending like the very basis of our organized society isn't crumbling lets them get away with it so much easier because, for some fucking reason, we see the rows every goddamn day and we don't think, hey, maybe a well-organized society wouldn't have these fucking terrible roads. But yeah, that's my conspiracy theory. Infrastructure is fucking important. The government not fixing it is intentional at this point. We're all getting fucked. Let's get out of here. All right, I mean, short soapbox, I know, but, you know, this, I mean, there's only so much I can say without just being like, hey, what do you expect? Uh, Anyways, if you have opinions, advice on how to make the show better, uh, any of your own infrastructure update plans, uh, why you think that the privatization of infrastructure is actually a good thing, and really anything else you want to tell me, make sure to email me at waytapods at gmail.com. Remember to check out my other podcast, Wait Tat Nerd, where I do basically the same thing, both nerd topics like san- like fantasy, sci-fi, role-playing games, etc. I hope you'll like the topics just as much. Also remember to follow me on Twitter at waytat underscore pods for more episode announcements, and also follow me on YouTube for uh, fireside chats and probably some other bonus content. Alright, have a good night. Don't murder. Have fun. And remember, the government isn't fixing the roads to distract you from the fact that they are fucking your butt. This has been Why Are You Talking About This. I've been your host, William. Good night.